to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Lenten Facebook Live series entitled, Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Welcome and happy Monday. Always glad to get to be together and I've been looking forward to this. I took lots of notes yesterday during the sermon, so I'm very excited. And I heard the sermon twice. So good that I wanted to hear it twice. Uh, So looking forward to uh, the conversation today. Uh, My name is Lindsay Slocum and I'm one of the pastors and I'm joining uh, Jeff Myers, the senior pastor who preached yesterday. And so we're going to just talk through all through the season of Lent, we'll get together and look at whoever preached on Sunday. On Monday, we'll get together and look at that sermon and just explore it further. And, um, and I'm just really excited about this time and this topic, and I cannot wait to talk about it. But I do want to like hit the really important stuff first. So Jeff, tell us how the baby is doing. We want to hear about baby Mem and Major, Big Brother Major. Well, she's, she's doing really well. And she's, uh, you know, I think maybe like 12 pounds is that inflection point where they start sleeping a lot better. And she's kind of crossed that, um, that point and major for the first month and a half was kind of pleasantly indifferent to her existence. I think he was thinking like, so when is she leaving? You know? And, uh, <laughs> and we were like, buddy, <laughs> it's going to be about 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he's coming around and so it's just it's really fun and um she's healthy and it's great and actually we're starting out our vacation this week as i mentioned yesterday and so this is the first time that major has been around his cousin who is um, a year and a half older than he is but he's like two inches taller than her so it's it's kind of a and they're both very bossy so it's kind of fun to watch this the strength of wills uh come against each other and see who wins out Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad he's getting some cousin time. That's very fun. And the baby is feeling good and Courtney's doing well. Yeah. And Courtney's doing really well. She's on still on maternity leave, which is just a great gift uh, for us and our family. And, um, you know, we just, we feel really blessed that she's healthy and keeping going. And, you know, Courtney is, you know, a trooper um, because honestly, I'm not much help. So I try to be, but like, what do I, what do I really bring to the table? So um, I stay up late some nights with her and try to <laughs> do that. So that's what I, that's my spiritual gift of being able not to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad everybody's doing well. Okay. So we are in the middle of the sermon series called less is more. And each week you are inviting us to think about 
um, areas where we could do or have less and that in that would be a gift in and of itself that that would give us this gift and, and there would be something more that we would get out of it and yesterday I was super fascinated because the the topic yesterday what we were looking at less being more was um, our schedule our calendar and, and how we schedule our lives and busyness and I was fascinated by this and I would love for you to reflect on this particular piece because I mean even one year ago, right? It was a really, we were having conversations about how there weren't things scheduled and there was, we kind of went through this season of our calendars being unexpectedly more free than they had ever been before. And we were, we're doing like, I, I talked to, I, we had these in my house, we had these family Zooms every Friday night and my parents would get on and because we all of a sudden we had this time to do this stuff. And we all kept saying, we're going to learn this lesson in quarantine about not being so busy. But at least at our house, I think we've come out the other side of quarantine and we are more busy than we have ever been before. So I'm just curious, like, do you think that means we didn't learn our lessons in quarantine? Or do you feel like, do you feel like people are more busy now than they were? And why is that? And I just thought it was a really fascinating topic given kind of what our schedules have looked like the last two years. Yeah, so I think busyness is really like contextual. So, and I think, and I look out at our congregation and I think, man, these are very busy people. They're highly programmed. They have a lot going on. Um, you know, you have work. You know, when I think about just youth sports and how much money and time is put into traveling, um, travel baseball, soccer, you know, lacrosse, all, and how, you know, you know, I've talked to people, my kids playing on three different teams, you know, and, and every, every night, you know, they're, it's just, it's just craziness and they have to have, you know, uh, really intricate uh, calendars to schedule everything out. And I feel that, okay? Um, and I think, and it's not like busyness is never gonna be an issue. Like we're never gonna find a, a, like a great equilibrium and like, if I could just stay here, it's gonna be perfect. But it's always something, it's more of like a guidepost. I meant it more as a guidepost to say, hey, we're always gonna be wrestling with this. How do we, how do we get control of it and acknowledge it's there and, and take control of our lives and just not absentmindedly let the busyness and chaos of our culture take over, right? And so I think for a lot of people, um, you know, I had some friends, you know, had always been waiting for, they wanted to write a movie script. They always were talking about once I, once life slows down, I'm going to write a movie. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a script. And I was like, well, the pandemic came, you're trapped in your house. Did they write a movie script? A lot of people didn't. They didn't. They got busy. They get busy watching movies. The thing they really wanted to do, they failed to do even when they had an opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I'm just asking people, what is the thing you want to do that you really want? Well, go and do it. And don't let the busyness and the chaos of our culture distract you from doing that thing. And if you don't really want to do it, then that's fine, but don't talk about doing it. And just acknowledge that there's other stuff you're more interested and passionate about. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you think is so, just hearing you reflect on that, it's so interesting. Like what is so 
seductive do you think about all of this stuff and culture that we're like here's this really important thing I've always wanted to write a movie script and yet I am pulled away from it because there's all of this stuff that's going on like I'm wondering what's so attractive that pulls us in so much to that well I, I mean I think our culture I mean so much money is invested in selling us stuff and keeping us busy mm -hmm. um, and distracting mm -hmm. us I think that's part of it and part of it and I kind of I wasn't explicit about this and I probably should have been, but I realized I, there's, there's some things just have to go left and said, but so in our culture, one of our values is busyness. Like that is, I try to be really explicit. We find that our self-worth in being busy and being able to tell other people that we're busy. Like, and so, but like, let's say in the 19th century, if you were affluent, it was, you had time for leisure and doing nothing. And you would, that's how you would express your self-worth that I didn't do anything this week. I was able to sit around, I ate olives and, you know, and read books, you know? Um, and that was how you expressed that you had value, that your self-worth culturally was acknowledged, that that was what you were aspiring to. Well, if I was preaching a, a sermon series at that time, I might've said, Beware of sloth. Beware of laziness. Don't give into it. You've got a purpose. Life is meant to serve and to and to be and to figure out your vocation and to do. Um, and that sermon might fit better in a culture that really valued leisure, maybe on the other opposite end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so, but for I just don't think in our in at Roswell Presbyterian Church, maybe at other places they do struggle with leisure, but I don't see a lot of people like really lazy and leisure, li living lives of leisure. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And I will tell you, which I also should, should have said this, I should have started with this. As you and I are having this conversation, the people that are joining us, if you have a question, if you're on the Zoom call, then you can put it in the chat. Or if you're on Facebook, you can leave a question and Terry will let us know. Um, okay, but that top, that very idea, Jeff, I, I'm not even kidding. Like I laid awake last night thinking about this, like, because when you, you said, you know, people say, oh, I had back-to-back -back meetings all day. And I thought, gosh, I say, I feel like I say that all the time. And so I was thinking about this idea of the status of being busy. And I definitely think there's something to that. And I think um, there's very much something about the, the particular context that we're in around here. I think that there is something like I don't know whether that's because we're trying to demonstrate that we do work hard or we were so needed, like you were saying. Uh, but I, I am wondering, um, to some extent, yes, the status piece. But I'm also wondering, is there a thing about? Because for me, I feel like I'm offer, I'm constantly offering that as an apology, or. Um, even just a, a fear of disappointing others. Like when we were talking about Mary and Martha yesterday, I don't know that Martha was doing all of the stuff because there was a status to making, I mean, it might've been like my house needs to look clean because it's status, but I think that there was a pressure and I don't want to let Jesus down. Like there was this kind of fear of disappointing someone. And so I'm just wondering for people, for some people, um, is there kind of that, element to it too that we're just trying really hard to make sure that like I'm doing what I need to for my children and I'm doing what I need to for work and I'm doing it like and if I 
if I back off of any of those things and I'm letting somebody really important down. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, yes. So in Luke, he tells the Mary Martha story immediately following the Good Samaritan parable. Okay. Exactly. And it's very interesting. That they're kind of making different points, right? That like the, the Samaritan goes above and beyond to serve somebody in need and who his neighbor, he doesn't consider, we usually wouldn't assume was his neighbor, but considers his neighbor. And so there's this, there's the mode of action. You got to serve, you got to get out there. But then the very next story that Luke tells is now sometimes you don't need to serve. You just yeah. need to be yep. and sit, right? And so this is, there's, um, you know, in theology and divinity schools, there's always kind of a, a polarity or a dualism between um, social action or social justice and worship and theology mm -hmm. or spiritual disciplines, as if one is without the other. So either I'm socially, and you see a lot of churches are social action churches, and that's what they were committed to social justice eliminating poverty, we're going to serve the poor, we're going to wor work on racial reconciliation, whatever it's going to be, okay, that's what we're about. But then the worship is kind of not there. But then there's other churches that are all about worship. We're going to have beautiful worship, we're going to come together, but the rest of the week, just go about your business. Um, we're going to get you emotionally fired up. And, and that's it. But you never talk about the outside world who you need to serve. And I think what we get with these two stories next next to each other is that it's a not either or but it's a both and mm -hmm. and that um and that if you seek social justice you need to go back to worship to fuel social action and social justice mm -hmm. but faith as james would say faith without works is dead mm -hmm. so your worship should fuel your social action, your, your willingness to get out and serve and meet real human needs out there. So there was a great book um, a few years ago that came out called uh, The Dangerous Act of Worship. I think it was Christianity Today's um, Book of the Year. It's by Mark Laverton, uh, the president of Fuller Seminary, Presbyterian minister. He used to be at uh, First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, California. And it's much about how this isn't a both and. I mean, so it's not either or, it's both and. That we right, worship right. in social action together. Um, I think uh, another book that people might be interested in is Nicholas Walterstorff, who is a well-known uh, theologian and ethicist and philosopher at Yale and was at Calvin College. He wrote a book called Until Justice and Peace Embrace. Another book um, by Charles Marsh, The Beloved Community, How Faith, uh, uh, How Faith Shapes Social Action from Civil Rights to Today. And one of his critiques about a lot of justice movements he appreciates the justice, but when they get untethered from worship, they can go astray and awry. And you really mm -hmm. need both. Mm -hmm. And to have and to, and to have worship without any way outlet that's going to serve and make a difference in the world is it's not fully flourishing. Mm. So I think God calls us to both. Does that help? Yeah, yeah. And as you're talking, it's reminding me. So the. Uh, Wednesday morning Bible study that I'm a part of, we have done both the book of James, which is sometimes referenced as the Proverbs of the New Testament, but we also uh, studied the book of Proverbs. And in both of them, 
um, we talked about, especially in Proverbs, you can see that there's sometimes when a proverb says one thing and another place where Proverbs says another thing, like, a, you know, here's a place where it says be patient and another place where it says you need to take action quickly. And so we, in Bible study, we talked a lot about that part of growing in your faith is figuring out what it looks like to navigate when, when to do what, and um, that both of them, just like you're saying, both of them are important. And so as we grow in our relationship with, with Jesus, then that is helping us to figure out how to navigate knowing like when we're leaning on which proverb, or as you're saying, like when yeah. we're leaning into the worship or into the social Absolutely. work. And Lindsay, it's funny you mentioned that. I want folks to know that our next sermon series is going to be on wisdom literature and you're going to be preaching on Proverbs. So I, bet, I hope people are really ready to hear uh, all your wisdom because I think um, it's so relevant to our world where we have yeah. so many messages. We have so many options. We have so many things we can do. It takes a lot of wisdom to know what to do. And mm -hmm. I don't know if we talk, I mean, wisdom is a cardinal moral virtue, practical wisdom. And practical wisdom is, is not just in Greek philosophy, but it goes all the way back to the Hebrew prophets and the yes. Hebrew wisdom tradition. And so this is a very much a part of our tradition. And I don't hear us a lot of times talking about how can we train up our children to be wise? How can we, how can we cultivate wisdom in our lives? And I'm really hoping that I think we're going to spend about six weeks um, in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and we might get into a little Job. Um, about what wisdom is and the exact uh, issue that you're wrestling, that you're bringing up. And I think, I think people are really going to benefit from it. I know I'm, I'm excited about it, but we got to get, we got to get through Easter first. Right, right. Of course, of course we need to, we need to raise Jesus from the dead, but I love Proverbs and I'm, I'm very, when you told me I was preaching Proverbs, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. So good. So good. Okay. So just so you know, I don't know, uh, I was in two of the services yesterday, so I don't know if you offered this challenge at every service, but you did invite people to look up Malays and Henri yesterday in your sermon. So I wanted to assure you that I did that. Uh, so basically both of them mean something to this effect of feeling a sense of uneasiness or discomfort without always knowing the, well, Malaysia said without understanding necessarily where it's coming from, but the ennui was because it's a lack of occupation or excitement. Um, and so I was just thinking about, which raised kind of a whole nother point, which really kind of plays into what we're talking about here, because I was just thinking about how we are loading our schedules, we're, we're pulled to that busyness, um, but at the same time, you're kind of making this case that we are, there's kind of a lack of excitement or a lack of occupation. You even talked about um, uh, Pascal saying that part of the reason we feel this is because we're not sitting quietly in our own rooms. And so you, you are inviting us um, to into the silence and stillness um, and we keep continuing to kind of fill it with stuff. And in the trying to fill it with stuff, we are feeling more and more of a, uneasiness or unrest right am i am i paraphrasing that correctly right. yeah yeah yeah. And, and pascal i mean it actually is very his if you've never read the ponce it's like little it's like full of little proverbs um some some that go longer he'll have little parables and stuff like that but but like that and he's like looking at the world and he says why can't people just sit alone why can't human beings just sit alone in their room what is the need to get out? 
What is the need to be busy? Where does that come from? Why? And, and I think that's an observation that when you begin asking that question, well, why am I getting up in the morning? Why am I leaving the house? And when you ask those fundamental questions, why am I going, um, you know, like uh, for Walker Percy, it was uh, in the movie, why are you going to movies all the time? Why are you flirting with secretaries? Why are you, why, why are you flittering your life away without purposeful action? So like, let's think like this. In the, in the Old Testament, and you'll see this um, in some of Jesus' uh, parables, that there's a metaphor of like life's a journey. There's a pathway we're on it, okay? And there's a destination, okay? And we're going in a certain direction. But if you're somebody that wanders off the path, <laughs> and this and pilgrim's progress is many ways like this, you wander off the path and you're, you're playing in the dirt over here and you're not going anywhere, that's fine for a little while. You're going to observe the beauty of the mountain or what. But if you get caught up and you think that that's what life's about, then you're missing out on what your purpose is. Okay? And so I think that's what, when we think about distraction, distraction is taking us off what we're called to and where we're going. And we just kind of like aimlessly wander. And we do that, okay? When we do that, we feel malaise and ennui and unsettledness, um, apathy, but that makes us really uncomfortable. So then we try to busy ourselves to distract us from the fact we're distracted. And this is what Kierkegaard's idea of despair is that I talked about, that we, mm -hmm. that despair, true despair is not understanding you are despairing. Once you understand, this is like the, this is, um, think about the, uh, the addict whether it's drugs or alcohol. And finally, there's an intervention. We probably all have people in our lives where we've had to do this. And they wake up to their addiction. And then they finally go get treatment. See, you're, you're not trying to heal them, but you're trying to get them to a place. My favorite band, The Hold Steady, has this, has this uh, line in one of their songs that says, we can't save you, but we can put you in a place where you can save yourself. Mm. Mm. And not save in like the, like a cosmic sense, but a save in like the attic sense of waking you up where you can look in the mirror and say, I need to change. Mm. Does that help? Yes. Yes. Although, I mean, I guess then in a very practical way where I'm getting a teeny bit hung up is then, so then is the indication that all the things that are fill, filling my schedule distractions. But see, this is, this is the great thing. You have to ask yourself that question. I can't tell you that. Somebody else can't tell you that. That you have, you have, I can get you to the place where you, let's say Lindsay Slocum, okay? okay. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're a pastor. You're, I mean, you're involved in God knows how many, you know, nonprofits in Roswell and student groups and, you know, and, you know, and, and so finally, Maybe you go, am I doing this because I, I want to serve or is this distracting me from being who or from some issues I need to deal with? Um, maybe my uncomfortableness about being alone by myself. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm running from something, dealing with an issue. And so you have to ask yourself, am I, or am I, am I volunteering in all these ways and leading because 
That's what I'm called to do. Mm. That's part of my, and this is why it's important to have built into your schedule, vacation, Sabbath, prayer. Remember, prayer isn't just asking God for things. It can also be discernment, silence, reflection. So mm. that these are built in so that you're constantly asking, am I just Am I busy for busyness sake as a distraction? Or am I, am I doing things that really matter and that I care about? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so good. And it takes us, again, back to where we started with kind of the wisdom to know the difference and, and where we're kind of leaning in and where we're not leaning in. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Lindsay, oh, sorry, and I didn't even mention this, but like, we need to be a part of a community or communities. We need to have friends that we can count on to tell us the truth. Mm -hmm. So I hope I have people in my life that can come to me and say, hey, Jeff, you know, you're, you're golfing a lot. You're, you're going to movies. You're going to entertainment. You're, and you're not being a very good husband. You, you are, what are you avoiding at home? And I've had people say this to me. What are you avoiding? And then hopefully I'm the kind of person that can receive that and discern, yeah, I'm busy, getting busy for busyness sake out of distraction and avoidance from doing the tough things that I need to do. Right. And so right. um, I think, it, and I hope RPC, and one of the reasons we push community groups is because it's really hard with, you know, hundreds of people to kind of do that kind of work. But in a small group of eight to 10, you can build real relationships where you can do that tough kind of work. Where, where it's not, you're not trying to judge somebody or, um, or make them mad or, or irritate them. We're trying to help uh, build each other up. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah. It's yeah. one of my views of what Christian community should be. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I just, um, several of the things you've said in the last couple of minutes, I don't want to fly by them because you've been giving us some really um, practical examples of various practices and disciplines that are important to engage in as we're figuring out what it looks like to navigate and be wise about how we're using our time. And um, as you mentioned, prayer and Sabbath and um, community, and I would also offer worship and time in the word. So um, I, I don't know, are there other disciplines you think that we should say out loud that are important for people as they're thinking about what it looks like to engage in that? Yeah, I think uh, scripture mem memorization. Mm. I'd recommend um, uh, Richard Foster's work, um, The Celebration of Discipline, which he talks about kind of the major um, spiritual disciplines, especially for Protestants. Um, not until like the last 20 or 30 years have we really recovered a sense of that spiritual disciplines are meant to help us do this work. Um, in the past, they were often seen as trying to earn salvation or something. But that's not really what they are. They're meant for us to help us grow and build us up in, in, in Christ. So I think, um, I think fasting, I mean, we haven't really pushed that in Lent. Um, I, I, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, food issues that people, folks have. So I want to be very careful with, before pushing fasting. But for a lot of people, fasting in the Christian tradition has been important, um, whether it's from food or technology. Um, things like that. So, and that's, again, that's one of the ways that human, that God, I think God has given us as human beings, ways to settle our lives down and to focus in on what really matters. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and continuing to grow that relationship. Yep. I know that we're running short on time, but I'm super curious. I, I, mean, I still have a million questions for us to talk about, but I'm wondering, one of the statements you made toward the beginning of your sermon was um, that your calendar, your, you were offering that perhaps looking at your calendar would be an indication of one's personal mission statement, perhaps. And so I'm wondering, as you're writing the sermon, you're reflecting on your own life, I'm wondering if you decided what your calendar said about your mission and and how you you yourself were kind of processing some of the stuff from yesterday. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, most of the time I'm preaching to myself, just so like everybody knows, <laughs> like, this is not, I'm not like, I, it, it, my view of ministry is it's just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Absolutely. And, and I feel like this is something I really wrestle with. Um, I think I've gotten a lot better. I think when I was in my early 20s, I got, I was so busy with so many things that I really destroy, really just hurt a lot of people and destroyed relationships and really harmed, um, did harm in the world. Uh, and not really, and it wasn't through like maliciousness. I just wasn't paying attention and wasn't making tough decisions about what really mattered to me at the time. Um, so that, that was really relevant. Then I try to be very good about uh, carving out um, at least a day of Sabbath, for, especially where I get to spend with my family. Um, and one of the things I've done, I think in my like mid thirties, I started, I started spending a lot more time by myself <laughs> that like I was, I, you know, I've been a pretty extreme extrovert up until that point. And I just needed time by myself uh, to think and to reflect and, and um, you know, and, and to be out in nature, um, to be outside has been really important for me. Um, but also I try to be really um, deliberate about like meal times. Who am I, who am I having lunch with? Who mm -hmm. am I having coffee with? Um, do I, do I make the most of that time? Um, and sometimes that could be shooting me. Don't get too serious and shoot the breeze, but other times it can mean get serious and get down to yeah. the business. And so, um, and I think like, especially when I started at RPC, it was really important uh, for, I had a regular meeting with most of uh, the senior staff once a month. And um, I know during the pandemic, a lot of people don't know for a year, I mean, you and I talked every morning for, uh, you know, an hour, just trying to make sure everybody was on the same page as we move forward. And that was really important uh, for that during that season. And now we don't do that anymore um, because we're not in that season where that's important. Um, but I do think there is something really beneficial of, you know, I, I keep an outlook calendar. And so it's really easy to see with their color coded kind of, and you can kind of see where, where are my priorities? Um, and for me at RPC, it's less, um, I need to be thinking kind of long-term about the church and kind of big vision, uh, where are the sermon series going? Where's our ministries? Where are our big uh, mission partners? How, how are we doing financially? Um, whereas in my previous call, it was much, I was much more down in the weeds. I was meeting with people all the time, um, mm -hmm. teaching a ton of uh, small Bible studies, doing leading a ton of mission trips, which was awesome. And I loved it. But when I came to RPC, I realized that was not where I was going to make the biggest difference. And that's not what I was called to do mm -hmm. in an organization and church of our size. Mm hmm where do you think I should be spending my time? <laughs> oh, don't you worry. I'll, I'll have lots of ideas for where you should spend your time. One of the things I was going to say is one of the things you're really good at 
is um, you are super fast at answering emails, but you don't do it late at night. So um, there'll be lots of times when it'll, something will occur to me and I'll send the email and then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have sent the email because it's 10 o'clock or whatever. And you'll answer it, but you won't answer it until the morning. Um, and I, it's just so good because you're indicating to people like nighttime is when I'm with my family. And this is when I'm feeding a baby and playing trucks with major or whatever, but it's, uh, it's just a really good, um, demonstration of that. Well, thanks Lindsay. And I do try to, I kind of came by to that the hard way and I, and I help our staff and our people know that, um, they need boundaries and it's not so it's, it's not so they can be less of, um, an employee or less of a servant or minister and so they can be more so that when you're on the clock you're really dialed in and and grinding um and really making a difference and so um anyway yeah so i and i just have like email can take over your life if you let it so <laughs> for sure for sure um uh, we are at time so thank you so much for this i still have lots of questions but we can um talk about them another time but I'm so grateful for your time and for all of your wisdom. I'm, it's so impressive the way you rattle off philosophers and authors. And like yesterday in your sermon, you had, you referenced all these people. And then even today without any prep, you're like, and this, and this, and this. And it's just really impressive. So it's always super interesting to get to pick your brain and hear all the things going on in there. I So thank you to you. Thank you to everybody that logged on to be part of the conversation. So grateful to get to have this time together. I do want to make sure everybody knows we're going to do this again next Monday. And what's our topic next week? Well, the sermon title, I think, is how many storage lockers does a person need? Um, and, uh, and it's about kind of consumption and consumerism. And this isn't going to, and I don't want it to, it's not a judgment again, or like it may, meant to make anybody guilty, but it's try to wake us up to how um, we are as consumers. And um, I'm reminded in every, I, I don't think I've talked about, John Calvin used to say, um, the human heart is an idol factory. Mm. And what does it mean um, to see our stuff as an idol? And I don't think we think of it like that. So that's some of the uh, topics we're gonna, we're gonna explore next week. So I look forward to, uh, to doing that. And then on Monday, I think we're gonna talk again at a, another Closing the Distance conversation. So you can yes. bring that yes. stuff up. Are you going to make me feel guilty about the number of shoes I have? Well, Lindsay, I, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I might fall under the same critique. So I'll be very, <laughs> I'll be very careful not to uh, be too judgmental about shoe wear. Okay, okay, good, okay, good. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much. Enjoy your um, vacation this week. Have so much fun with the kids and, um, and the cousin playtime. That, that's just such a, that time is really such a gift. So I'm glad that y'all have that. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your ministry. Hold down the fort this week and I'll see you all, everybody on Sunday. All right, we'll be here. All thank right. you. Thanks.